With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter Wonderful Pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch, and the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, Wonderful Pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, here we go. It's hour two. We're live in Los Angeles. It's the herd, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Rachel Nichols stopped by. That was great. Fantastic. J-Mac, a lot of news coming out. Uh, we're going at the bottom of the hour to the NFL Combine. Mm. Guys are starting of, to run 40s. Guys starting to percolate. Stories starting to percolate. Um, P.S., could you outrun Tom Brady? Could you best Tom Brady's 40 times? I saw Tom Brady uh, ran like a 5-2-8 when, out of Michigan. And people laugh at that. Like and he slow. just, a couple days ago, he ran a 5-1-8 wow. at like 47 years old. But he's in good shape. So, uh, about the only thing I could do was run. So I, I ran. I ran a four seven in high school. I know you guys are all laughing. A four seven forty. Yeah, that's not bad. On grass, on a cruddy grass, oh, so I could run. Okay. Yeah, I was. I could run. It was like you know, fifty years. Not fifty. Like twenty, thirty, forty years. <laughs> <laughs> Some math struggles early. years ago. <laughs> yes, we had just gotten color TV. How did they tie that? With a sundial? No, it was, uh, they had a, oh. a, a Coach Bridge, Steve gotcha. Bridge, did it, okay. and I got a 4.7. I think he was surprised. Could I run a 4.6 next week if you tied me? No way. Could I run a 4.7 next? Not a chance. So okay. I'm, I am long, so I had long legs. I'm fast, so I'm fast. All right. You, you, you claim you're a lot of things. I have yet to see any of them. <laughs> um, so I saw this story. The Packers, there's a story today that, you know, and I see this all the time. Everybody in the media wants to pay everybody. Jordan Love has a year left on his deal. Just let him play. I like Jordan Love. I don't love him yet because I don't know. Now, I do. My hunch is these young receivers and uh, these young tight ends in Green Bay are terrific. They always have good O-lines. They draft and develop at a high level. I think he's going to be really good. I think they found their guy. That's my hunch. But now every defensive coordinator, as I see this headline today, Packers need to sign Jordan Love to an extension sooner than later. They're going to have to pay him either way. I mean, 
Unless you think he's going to tank, I don't, because all those young receivers and tight ends are going to get better. Lafleur, Aaron Jones, I think they found their guy. Let him play through the rest of the season. Defensive coordinators all have film now. So I think C.J. Stroud may pull back a little, and I like him a lot. Everybody's got film. So I think from weeks 3 to 17, there was about a 9, 10, you know, 11-week stretch or whatever it was, probably 9 or 10 weeks. I think Jordan Love really popped. I think a lot of it's Matt LaFleur. Let's be honest, not a lot of great defenses in the NFC. The best defenses were Kansas City and Baltimore and Buffalo. A lot of the best teams in the NFC, even the Niners' defense wasn't as good. They played in the division. Lions' defense stunk. Bears' defense was better at the end but not great. Vikings' defense was mediocre. Let's look at the Packers' schedule. Let's see who they play. Let's see the defenses. Everybody's got film. And I, you know, Jordan Love, there's two quarterbacks in the NFL that I really want to watch this year. If I had to say, here are my top ten quarterbacks in the league. And I don't know if the order's perfect, but it's somewhere around this. I would put Mahomes one, Josh Allen two, Burrow's injuries concern me, but three. Lamar Jackson, who I think's remarkable, Hasn't had the playoff success four. Matt Stafford, five. He can be a tad reckless, but five. Everybody I talk to in the league loves Justin Herbert, six. I'm a Trevor Lawrence fan, so I'd put him at seven. He was hurt last year. That's why he regressed. He was bad. I would put Jared Goff at eight, most underrated player in the league. You know I'm a huge fan of Kyler Murray. Aaron Rodgers at 10, bad O-line, off an Achilles surgery. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be good. Is it possible now that everybody has film and now he becomes son of a guy everybody targets? 11, Dak Prescott at about 12. And then there's two guys in the league that I think I see a remarkably high ceiling, but I don't know, Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love. Three years of Jalen Hurts. Eh, great, eh. Last year he was a turnover machine. Is he great or is it Shane Steichen? I don't know. Is he great or is it without Shane Steich in year one and three? Jalen Hurts is average. I think he's good. But we may have just seen great coach, perfect fit for Jalen Hurts. I think he'll get in the 12. And Jordan loves the other player. I think he'll get in the 12. That that division and the NFC does not have great defenses. I mean, what's the best defense in the NFC? Like people were talking about Dallas's defense. It got destroyed by Green Bay and destroyed by San Francisco. What about San Francisco's defense? Kyle Shanahan had to fire the defensive coordinator. How great was it? So I, I, I just my take is everybody's in a rush to pay everybody. Jordan Love's got a year left. They're going to have to pay him either way. But let's 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 give me about seven, eight more games. Let me see against the best teams. And I feel the same way with Jalen Hurts. With Brock Purdy, I think I've seen the ceiling, and it's pretty good. But I think Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts, I've seen like wow stuff. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's top six, seven stuff in the league. But with Jalen Hurts after this turnover-plagued season, he didn't look very good from the pocket. Greg Cosell talked about it. He didn't look very good from the pocket. Now, I know you're saying Tua. I have Tua right outside the top 12. I don't think Tua can throw the ball down the field when it gets windy or wet. I think everybody on my list beyond Tua can. So I don't see a special athlete with Tua. I don't see a big arm with Tua. I watched him in Kansas City when it was windy. He could not throw the ball down the field. I think Tua's more about the weapons and the coach than Tua. He's fine. I get it. Uh, here's the other thing I saw. today. This was interesting. So 1,700 players voted 
1,700 players in the NFL voted uh, on, uh, they gave grades to owners and facilities and coaches and blah, blah, blah. So what was interesting is how good the grades were by NFL players for the coaches. So three coaches got an A+. Andy Reid, Kevin Stefanski, Dan Campbell. Nine coaches, including Frank Reich, got an A. Uh, seven got an A-. minus. So 65% of the players in the league, there were only three head coaches worse than a B-. minus. Now think about that. For some reason, I don't necessarily know why, never really thought about it, but this did kind of make me think about it this morning. Are football players conditioned to like their coach? Because NBA guys, all they do is blame their coach. Steve Kerr, best coach in the league, maybe. He and KD at odds. Eric Spolstra, maybe he's the best coach in the league. He and LeBron at odds. Pop, maybe he's the best coach in the league. He and Kawhi were at odds. Kyrie once said, Irving, I don't even need a coach. Basketball culture is different. If you don't get your shots, you don't like the coach. Adrian Griffin was 30-13 and 13 in Milwaukee, and they, they let him go. David Blatt in Cleveland, 30-11 and 11 number one seed. LeBron didn't like him. <laughs> the Sixers fired Doc River. He won almost twice as many games as he lost. The Bucks were the number one seed last season. They fired Budenholzer in the offseason. Uh, Dwayne Casey was head coach of the year. Head coach of the year in Toronto. They fired him in the offseason. One year. So, I mean, yet in the NFL, only three coaches with 1,700 players three were worse than a B-. minus. B- is pretty good grade. So, in Chicago, Matt Eberflus is 10-24. and 24. Star receiver DJ Moore. I want that guy back. So it's just it's just different. The basketball culture is I get my shots and looks or blame the coach. For some reason, I don't know what it is, football players tend to be more conditioned to like their coach. And what's interesting is that basketball coaches in the NBA virtually never yell at players. That's a no-no. Football coaches bark at players. And yet that tough coaching draws them closer. Isn't that interesting? I mean, football coaches use volume all the time. You're watching this dynasty on Apple TV. I mean, Belichick dog cusses star players constantly. Andy Reid is known as the last NFL coach that practices hard. They practice in that summer heat hard in Kansas City. They keep the shells on. They hit. Andy barks. Players bark back at Andy Reid. Mahomes has barked at him. Travis Kelsey's barked at him. People bark at Andy. He barks back. He got an A+. NBA coaches coddle players. Maybe they shouldn't. It is interesting, right? It's the tough love thing. If a coach barks, at least he shows you he cares. But football coaches all over the land, college, pro, high school, bark, loud, volume. Football players love their coaches. Basketball stars can't stand theirs. Number one seeds, fired. Coach of the year, fired. Look at Milwaukee now. They had a coach. <laughs> they were winning. They got rid of him. It's weird, right? It's, it's different. Well, I, I think the majority of NBA rosters make more than the coach in the NFL 
you know, massive rosters, not that many guys make more money than the coach. So the coach feels like I'm bigger than everyone. You know? Well, I mean, Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald I mean, and the Cooper Cup all make more than McVay, and they all love McVay. Well, that's, come on. Those are like superstars. Okay. Oh, okay, let's go, look at it, too. Kittle makes more. Christian McCaffrey no, makes more. No, go to the dog-cussing guy, uh, Bill Belichick. Well, I mean, it lasted Gronk and Brady and Edelman, and these guys were making more than Bill in their prime. Edelman did sit here and say Bill did not want to pay him. And, like, you know, he Bill... When you win multiple Super Bowls, also you can call the, the shots. You can do whatever. He sits on this couch and still calls him coach. <laughs> football coaches bark. You don't get the money you want in football. You have to hit in practice. You have to play hurt. Football coaches demand a lot from their players, and yet players love them. You, you find me an NBA coach barking at a player, holding him accountable. It's very rare. Well, yeah, like a you Darvin are Ham. on eggshells constantly. Take, take as Darvin an Ham with the Lakers. Who's he going to bark at? What has Darvin Ham done as a coach? Well, using the warrant that I oh, can yell out, at LeBron out. or Anthony Davis okay. or oh. hell, even Austin Reeves. Okay, you say that. What has he proven? Well, Dan Campbell got fired in Atlanta. What has he proven? You don't think he's going to bark during camp at Washington Commanders? I, Why he, do you have to prove yourself? I mean, Dan Quinn. Excuse me. Dan Quinn's going to Dan Quinn barks. Well, he went to a Super Bowl with the Falcons and fired. I, I know, but he went to a Super Bowl. But you're it? saying that what has Darvin Ham done? Every coach in the NFL barks at players. And w they don't all have Super Bowls. They don't all have massive resume. Yeah. It's a different culture. I don't know what the answer is. But in football, there's a... I mean, Andy Reid's a barker. And they bark back and forth at each other. They love Andy Reid. Mike Tomlin suffers no fools in Pittsburgh. He calls his guys out. Yeah. And they love him. Well, nobody. Who, who, Mike Tomlin's bulletproof. You say anything to him, he's like, "I've never had a losing record." Well, next, what Mike, do you got? Mike Vrabel's players, Sean Payton's. You say what you want about Russell Wilson. Saints players loved him. He is loud. Football coaches, whether you have a whether you have a great resume or not, they bark. Mm. And find, listen, find me a guy without a great resume who barks and gets away with it and isn't fired in two or three years. Like Salah was a big volume guy on the 49ers sideline. Remember, fiery. He's, I don't want to say he's been neutered with the Jets, but you don't see a lot of that fire like you used to in San Fran. I, you can't when you're like winning four, five, six games a year. Well, like you've got to dial all, it back. You it can't does, yell. It at doesn't guys. matter if you yell or not. If you win four games a year, you're fired. That the yelling has nothing to do with it. You can't. Eberflus, if he starts out two and five, he's one of the nicest guys in the league. He's gone. <laughs> NFL, you got to win games. It's you not about win. barking or not barking. Guys bark all the time. Coordinators bark. Everybody, you know, I mean, McVay's not known as that. Shanahan can get surly. Andy Reid can be tough. But football, the, the culture in football is we allow that. We're okay with it. Players are good with it. I mean, Brady is a great example. He took it for 20 years. Now, at the end, he was exhausted. But he never pushed back. Well, you're winning. You're winning Super Bowls every third year. So what's, what's the big deal? Like, I'll take the barking. We're going to yeah, win titles? Yeah. What about all the coaches in the NBA, number one seeds? They won two. Hmm. Coach who, who of the year the fired. Who, who, who was the head coach who won with the Bucks uh, and is, was already Budenholzer? Yeah, he got run off. Won a title. Run off. Keep winning. Belichick won for twenty years. I want to see consistent winning. Pat Riley, you can bark all Steve he wants. Steve Kerr won titles before KD at odds. LeBron Spolstra odds. Kawhi and Spol and and Pop. It's a different. The ball Kawhi game. one is is one of the more interesting ones we've ever seen. Right, I mean, he's he, not, he was injured, 
And Popovich is like he's running through the five-on-five five in practice, and then he doesn't want to play, and they're taking shots because he's upset. You don't think there's any difference between the cultures? No, there's definitely a difference. Find me the last coach of the year in the NFL, Kevin Stefanski. Would you be surprised if he got fired in two weeks? I would, yes. I'd be yeah, stunned. Dwayne Casey, coach of the year, fired a couple weeks later. What in the world would we say if Kevin Stefanski got fired? We'd be like... Was there something like, was there some like totally inappropriate something right. in the front office? So, so I guess your uh, NBA is a, pl- is a player's league, right? Well, it's the been players a player's league forever, yeah. but my takeaway is one of the few NBA coaches that is confrontational, Ty Lue with the Clippers. He's confrontational. Players like him. Why? Because he's confrontational. Men... Respect men who ignore passive aggressive doesn't work for most successful guys. You don't like me, yell at me. If my boss is mad at me, yell at me. Get in my face. I'll yell at you. Be confrontational. This NBA coaches are passive aggressive. They're quiet. There's leaks. Ty Lu is hard on guys. Confrontational. He's really liked. I'm saying there's room for it in the NBA. As long as your owner's like, listen, he's got a five year deal. I'm not letting go. Owners, I think, cave to players. Adrian Griffin, top seed, off to a great start. They cave and literally hire a broadcaster. Like, do you think it was going to be great? Want more Herd? The Herd streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search Herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. 
and I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Well, Lance Zerline works. He's a draft analyst for NFL.com, and um, I've used him for years. Does some radio in Houston as well, the bench 97.5 in Houston, but he's done so much good work on the draft, and I kind of follow his draft previews. So it's interesting. Um, you know Lance the way this works. It's a bit of a copycat league. So Bryce Young is kind of small and thin. And people now look at him and C.J. Stroud and go, well, the bigger, stronger quarterback is better. And so then I see J.J. McCarthy, who is 6'3", 200 pounds. And I think my takeaway is he's kind of thin. It doesn't appear to be, according to like some of the mock drafts I'm seeing, affecting him. But it is a concern for me. I did a list the other day. I went to the smaller quarterbacks last seven or eight drafts or thin quarterbacks. Bryce Young, Josh Rosen, uh, Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel. A lot of them has not panned out. So is J.J. McCarthy's sort of slender 200-pound 6'3 body, is that a legitimate concern? Are you hearing that? I think it's a legitimate concern as it pertains to anything that could put him in harm's way. I mean, you know, what What was interesting is we had a draft last year with Tank Dell getting drafted in the third round at 163 pounds. Uh, everyone around football knew Bryce Young was not 204 pounds like he tested at the Combine. That was all additional weight at his pro day, wouldn't weigh again. So he's a sub-200-pound quarterback. But we're dealing now, Colin, with a lot of uh, outliers. It's really changing. A lot of these cornerbacks in this year's class – in, and I'm talking about talented guys, are in the low 170s up to the low 180s, and that used to be really unheard of. So Xavier Worthy is going to probably te- check in in the 160s as well. So we're dealing with a lot of outliers, and I think teams are more willing to, to work with a 200-pound quarterback, a 205-pound quarterback, because the, the need for quarterback and the need for explosive playmakers outweighs currently, uh, no pun intended, the weight. But it's other positions – you know, they, they won't relent with those size standards. But now, with offensive playmakers, it looks like, at least for now, they're willing to relent a little bit and see what happens. So, Caleb Williams, there has been people that I respect have come out and said, um, and I heard this a little bit with Mahomes early, uh, he leans into the spectacular. He doesn't take the hitch, the hot pattern, the easy stuff. Now, I think we'd both agree Mahomes has gotten great at that. He's really reduced right. his air uh, yards. I mean, he'll take anything underneath, and a lot of it was taken away by different coverages. But is that a legitimate I, – I feel like it's a legitimate concern is that – and now, he didn't play with many great players at SC. Jordan Addison, and that's about it. Did he? Does he, does he right. in your opinion, can he be a little too concerned with great and not as concerned about hit the easy stuff? I, I, think, that, I think you nailed it. I think that's 100% – his issue and it showed up last year too I was expecting something different and it's kind of what he's developed into uh, at USC I think once you get good at extending plays and making plays and make no mistake about it he looks to beat you with his arm when he exits a pocket but the thing that really bothered me a lot this year was that the hero ball just happened way too often I mean he's pulling it off schedule when he didn't need to not throwing the six yarder and letting the you know on third and eight not throwing a six yard shallow crosser and letting the the, the wide receiver tried to get it, 
And Colin, I, you know, I talked to a team about that, and I said, how concerned are you? And this team needs quarterback. And they said, you know, it's not as big a concern when you look at the fact that a lot of quarterback coaches can coach that out of a player and they can get them to trust in it when you have better offensive line talent than USC had and, frankly, better separators at wide receivers. So I don't think teams are real worried about it, but it does show up a lot on tape. And But Pat Mahomes did that at Texas Tech and has, as you mentioned, he's kind of limited when he goes off schedule and when he stays on schedule. So there's three different receivers. I like Harrison the best at Ohio State. I saw Roma Dunze play in yeah. person. He's a big play receiver. Malik Neighbors, LSU. I heard somebody the other day say they don't have Harrison as the number one. I think it's crazy. I think he falls into that Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson. He just looks different. I think Jamar Chase felt like that. It's like, oh, I'm watching a pro. He's just playing on Saturdays. Is there a gap between those receivers? What are you hearing? I don't think there is, and I'm hearing there's not as much. It's you know, so I have Malik Neighbors as my number one player in the draft, and literally, wow. like just a fraction behind him is is Marvin Harrison Jr. And look, you're right, Marvin Harrison Jr. is more polished. There's nothing wrong with Marvin Harrison Jr. I basically have he and, and Malik Neighbors as clear cut the one and two players in this draft, and you can substitute them either way. But I think the one difference is going to be. Neighbors has just ridiculous separation talent, ridiculous three-level ability, has good size, and can make great contested catches. Marvin Harrison, you could say the same thing about him, and I think he's a better route runner, uh, but I think from an explosion standpoint, maybe Neighbors projects a little bit higher, but I don't really get, up, get caught up in one versus two when you're talking about such high grades on two players. Nadunze, to me, is just a level below that, and yet better than you know, many of the offensive linemen in this draft. I mean, to me, Roma Dunze is checks in at like the fifth best player in this draft, and then Jaden Daniels would be sixth. So uh, it's a special draft for wide receivers in the top three, and then it turns into a depth run in the second and third round, in my opinion. So we've had great players, Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers, who have dropped in the draft. A lot of guys get overdrafted. It's rare when a great talent gets underdrafted. Uh, Marino, there was some off-field stuff that didn't turn out, I don't think, to be true. Aaron, I don't know what it was. Somebody saw something they didn't like. I, I look at Drake May. And I watched him about three times, and I got a different version every time. I don't think they ran an incredibly uh, sophisticated system. It feels like Justin Herbert, where he could actually, in the NFL, if he got like Cliff Kingsbury and those receivers in Washington, he may pop. Or he may not. If I said there's going to be a guy, and Lance, you're so good at this, a guy that drops out of the lottery, drops out of the top 10, 12, is there a guy to you that I worry about? So last year that was Will Levis. This year it would be Drake May. I've got a boom bust grade on my, a six point five on the uh, on my scouting reports on our grades, and it's because of the things you mentioned, Colin. And I know you watch these guys and, and and usually are pretty educated on the quarterback stuff. It's it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, the traits and the talent are unmistakable. They're high end. The consistency. Um, he has great energy on the field, but sometimes it turns chaotic, and that's. He hasn't really learned to harness it. He throws it 150 miles an hour <laughs> on short throws. Like touch, uh, ball placement on intermediate throws, the things that I want to see from an NFL quarterback, it's not always there. So the boom stuff is all with the physical elements, like with Josh Allen that we saw. But the bust is can he can he put a little more woe into it? You, you'd much rather say woe than go with the quarterback. And, and he is a guy you may need to rein in a little bit and become – uh, a little bit more of a, 
a finesse pass or at least add a little bit of finesse to his game. But the talent is unmistakable. But I just wonder if a team – think about this for a second. Cliff Kingsbury, I was thinking about this. He had Johnny Manziel. His, Johnny's best year was at Texas A&M with Cliff Kingsbury. Then in the NFL, he goes and hands, handpicks another dual-threat quarterback in Kyler Murray. I kind of wonder if Cliff has figured out that you need to have a quarterback – who can run and pass. If that's the case, then Jaden Daniels will be the second pick. So um, I remember last year, you, I, I went, because I, I follow you religiously, you're C.J. Stroud great. I thought it was a great comp. You said uh, C.J. Stroud yeah. is Jared Goff. And my take was, well, Jared, I love Jared Goff, so I, I, that's a good player. Um, and then I saw yeah. him against Georgia. I saw C.J. Stroud run. And I was like, well, okay, that's a little. If he's, if he's Jared Goff with mobility, but I didn't see a ton of juice because Ohio State's got such gifted athletes everywhere. It's like, oh, is it going to be another you know Buckeye quarterback? And then eh, it was more the players and the coach. That, and then I watched him, and by the second week this year, I was like, wow, wow. Were you, you, you do a show in Houston. You said he was golf. Were you shocked, or is this kind of what you saw just sooner than you thought you'd see it? So I, I had a lot of people reach out to me when you talked about this previously, and I think people sometimes mistake what my comps are meant to be. They're not yeah. me meant to be who you're going to be, like what your ultimate landing spot is. It really was golf based on the fact, and I'll tell you exactly what it was. I start with size, and they have similar size. That's the first thing I start with. But the other thing was a lot of people don't realize golf was terrifically accurate, yes. and he threw people open. Yep. And he wasn't a, a big scrambling guy. And so for me, I, I said from the very beginning, this is the this is absolutely a phenomenal, an elite accuracy quarterback who throws players open. So from the way he played, other than the Georgia game, I thought it was golf. And to this day, I still think there's some elements. Yeah. It was not meant to be the landing spot, like he'll never be better than golf. I think the way it was really a compliment based on this guy knows how to throw the football and has a great feel. Now, you're right. The Georgia game was phenomenal last year. That was high-end stuff. And the regular season was good, like you, like, you, like you talked about. Michael Penix is that guy this year who had a game against Texas that was the best game that, that, that I saw a quarterback <laughs> play this year. And yet, I don't know that that's who he's going to be. Like, I've got him with a second-round grade. I know the injuries are a concern, but – Boy, when you flash against really talented teams, like you got to pay attention to that stuff because look what happened with C.J. Stroud. Oh, and also Justin Herbert against one of the better Wisconsin defenses in a decade. And you're like, I had two GMs Absolutely. that were at the game. They're like, they completely thought differently about Justin Herbert on the field against Wisconsin. So let's go to Penix. So I made this argument. Lance Erline joining us for our radio audience. He's been doing this for years. He's a draft analyst, NFL.com. He's sensational. Also a very talented radio guy in Houston. So I watched Penix play live. And um, I, I somebody said this to me, and I just, I think I stole it. I said, he's a bigger Tua. But my take is, let's say he comes in with injury history. And he gets hurt year four. Lance, what I don't want to be in the NFL is chaotic at quarterback. If I get four, yeah. if I get four good two a years out of him, two is going to sign a huge deal. I don't know if he's going to be able to get through it physically. I mean, isn't Panics talented enough that if you're a team needing a quarterback, so what if he lasts three and a half years? He gets you out of the dungeon, doesn't he? Yeah, but I mean, Colin, this is the thing: when you draft quarterback you know, and you think you've got it right, you want it to last forever. And 
The problem with Michael Penix is four consecutive years of season-ending injuries. Now, he's been healthy at Washington. He was limping off the last game. I mean, he got crushed by – and he's a tough guy, but he got crushed by Michigan. And I think the concern you have with that injury history is 25-year-old rookie coming into the league. He's got four season-ending injuries during his six-year career. Yeah, you have to ask some questions about how healthy is he going to be during the season. And what you don't want to do is get through first contract and then have a tough decision to make on second contract based on how much they're spending now if you don't really believe in him and believe that he's going to be available. I think that's what Miami's dealing with right now. Is Tua going to be available all the time? Because the money they're getting ready to pay is – extensive and it has a big impact on how you build out the rest of your roster so I think that's the number one thing that bothers me about Penix and he's not a great passer of the football outside of the pocket it, it, the numbers the metrics are really low I looked at all the throws and the NFL if they know you can't throw off platform and you can't scramble and throw with accuracy they will heat you up in the a gaps all all day long so you've got to be able to limit your tendencies and limit your glaring weaknesses, or defensive coordinators will exploit it. Listen, Green Bay does quarterbacks right, and they sit them, and they give them good offensive line and weapons. And I I, I had a source, uh, somebody in the league who's still a GM in the league, didn't like Jordan Love at all. He thought he was wild and out of control, whatever. Yeah. Um, he looked pretty good, like week five or week six through week 18. What was your grade on him? Do you remember? Yeah, I had a second-round grade on him. Um, and for the reasons you talked about, he had a really good – junior season his last season he lost a running back two wide receivers a head coach and, a, and an offensive coordinator and the next year he just wasn't as good like it was hard to get behind the tape his senior season I think there was some some maturity issues as well that I heard about so yeah I do remember my grade it was like a 63 which is a second round grade and the reason simple he just didn't follow up his junior year with a strong senior year and when that's your final year of college football I mean, you kind of, it's harder to project the first rounder there. And look, it took a while for him to pop, but just like Aaron Rodgers, isn't it amazing the trajectory of Rodgers to yeah. Favre and love to Rodgers? It's amazing how many similarities there are. Yeah. Well, it's a very smart franchise who, you know, they've had their issues defensively, but they get offense right. They get old lines right. They always have a back. Big time. Yep. They, they, and they always hire offensive coaches. I have so much respect for them. And you, Lance Erline, uh, great seeing you, my man. I'll, I'll be following you on NFL.com. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Con. Yeah, I mean, he'll lay it out. He'll give you – He'll go. he goes through everybody. He is my guy that I really – and there's some really good ones. Daniel Jeremiah is great. Matt Miller is great. There's a lot of guys that do excellent work. You know I, I like my mock drafts. I know they're ridiculous. Nobody's are right. I like – everybody has something they like. That's my thing. Everybody's got something like you are bet college basketball guy. You literally are watching Coastal Carolina face Mercer, and you're like blowing off dinner with your beautiful wife to watch it. I'm mock draft guy. I did hit a five team money line parlay last night in college hoops. It was crazy. Uh, but in, in all reality, um, he said some stuff about Drake May, Colin. And I'm like, I get it. Drake May's not the perfect quarterback prospect, but. Let's run back the tape and see what these guys were saying about Patrick Mahomes coming out. Well, of... nobody, nobody knew Patrick. Nobody Drake knows May's anything. been talked about for a year. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, anybody that knew anything suppressed the information because they didn't want anybody to know how good he was. Nah. Come but on. I mean, these, we, the draft pundits. I want to hear what Lance said about Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Daniel Jeremiah said about Patrick Mahomes. And the weird thing is we got two guys now have come on this week. They don't like the Drake May. Well, no, they... They don't really like anyone. Like, I mean, Lance said his number one prospect is Malik Neighbors. He's a great player. 
Number when, one the, prospect the last, in the draft. When's the last time an LSU receiver didn't deliver? OBJ, Number one Justin prospect. Jefferson, Jamar. LSU does wide receivers do. and corners. Yeah, okay. Like that's, Num- they are a factory. Sure, top ten pick. Number one prospect. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to be a number one pick. He's their, he thinks he's their number one prospect. What's wrong with that? In pro- the entire draft, you don't think that's a little wild? Malik Again, neighbors. It's like it's like Penn State and linebackers in the seventies. They were all good. I, I mean, Notre Dame, Michigan offensive lineman. I mean, listen, I get it. It's easier to come on and pick nits, and then if anybody says, oh, I love this guy, he's an awesome prospect, blah, 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 well, yeah. then the, the goobers on the internet can't, clip it and rip you, which is fine. I, some people are afraid of that. I'm not afraid of the smoke. Well, no, I you're, want you're very courageous. But, like, it just feels weird that people don't like it, so many quarterbacks in this draft. Well, only 50% hit in the first round. I mean, I'm, I'm being Lance honest. is sharp. I don't, I don't like this haters stuff. Like, let's let's start saying positive stuff. Oh, about then, you know what? Then do local radio. <laughs> Yay! Our, Drake our, our three and nine team is the best. Listen, you got Washington taking Drake May. You got Washington winning the division. You like Drake May more than they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love him. But don't give me this. Let's do positive stuff. We're not a PR firm. Listen, here. anybody can come out here and crap on college football players. You, anybody We're not can do crapping that. on them. We're, it, it, mm. Once you leave college, it's big boy territory. Yeah, I didn't, we don't crap on them during the season. Mm. But once Baker graduated college, yeah, got to put the adult right, hat fair. on. You know what? I'm still salty that you didn't have Brock Purdy a top fifteen quarterback. I, know, I, I watched you the out. whole segment. You I, so- I jotted notes down. I've got notes for you on that. I'm not going to fire now. But like I Colin. got notes for you too. It rained. He couldn't hold the ball. <laughs> There's my notes for you. One half of one There one. are. <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What makes a Mercedes-Benz electric vehicle different? Electric's what gets you there. Mercedes, what moves you? Learn more at MBUSA.com slash EQJ Mac with the news. No, no, no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. All right, let's start with the NFLPA report cards that were released this week. Bill Belichick did not get good reviews. He was ranked 27th out of 32 head coaches with a B-. minus. Only 55% of players believed that Belichick was efficient with their time, and they felt he was rarely willing to listen to the locker room. Woo! <laughs> Woo! It's over. He's not getting it. Come on. Well, I mean... um, Again, I think it's easier to be critical of Bill when you're losing. So, But I do think he did divide some of the room with how he handled the Mac Jones, uh, Bailey Zappi stuff. And it felt petty and small. You know, it's okay. There are things that you can do years ago that you can't do now. It could be in radio. It could be in TV. It could be in coaching. It could be in tech. And I think the people that struggle to adapt are the ones that get in trouble. Yeah. And so Andy Reid is not a guy that struggles to adapt. Bill Belichick got more arrogance, struggles to adapt. So it could go all the way back to your childhood. Some people are just, they seek power, they get it, they don't budge. The late Bobby Knight, like, this is who I am, I'm not going to change. Yeah, Bob, you probably should change. It's hurting your job prospects. And I think Belichick's like, this is what I do, this is who I am. When you watch the dynasty, he was so much more amenable to, like, talk and smile. And in the his last 10 years in New England, it's not, not a fun guy. I mean, yeah. even Brady, the, the episodes are being released, I think, today. Even Brady, who was his ally, who took pay cuts for him, was like, I'm done with this. Yeah. You, 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 we got to go and break bread occasionally and smile. So Bill demanded sacrifices constantly, and that's okay. But when you're losing and you're demanding sacrifices and you're not willing to sacrifice, which Bill isn't, I want to coach who I want to coach, then it doesn't work. All right, let's get to a positive story. LeBron James, the greatest player in the history of basketball. 19 points in the fourth quarter, outscored the paperclips by himself. They were down 21, stormed back to win. LeBron, 34 in the game. He's now 40 points away from scoring 40,000 in his illustrious career. Uh, what nice things do you want to say about LeBron James? Well, he's trem- yeah. tremendous. If, 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 if... Don't be a hater. Come on, say nice stuff. I, I, I'm, not, I'm never a hater with him. Okay. 
But if you're telling me the bat, I don't count centers because they have almost a genetic advantage if you're seven three seven four. So I'm not going to count Kareem, Shaq, the three best basketball players I've ever seen. No order. No order. Okay, I was waiting for it. Are LeBron, Michael, Magic? Those not are the Magic over Jabbar, huh? I said I'm not counting. Oh, that's right. I, I, I am listening. Now, first of all, if you're six nine, you're bigger by almost a foot than the average person. But I would say that take centers out. And, you know, the three best players I've seen. In, why do we have to put everything in order? Can't we just say here are the three best basketball players? Magic, LeBron, Michael. Michael was the best pure scorer. Magic, the best pure distributor. Mike, uh, LeBron, the best athlete and could do more things well than both. 100%. That's it. I, I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, now, the third story here is kind of spicy. Spicy. It's just starting to pop on the internet. Woo! So, obviously, Dame Lillard traded from Portland to Milwaukee this season. And he has talked about his transition to Milwaukee. He's been there for five months now. Okay, you have hyped uh, Milwaukee, Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's a very it's just nice, an amazing place. My daughter went to Milwaukee, said it's way underrated. Here's Dame Lillard. Being away from my kids is tough. In Portland, my life was set up. So just leaving that behind alone is a lot. It's definitely lonely because I'm a family guy. Go to practice, go home, watch boxing, play video games. Seriously, I don't have much of a life. But that's what comes from making a big boy decision. You got to be down for that and figure it out. Now, Dame Lillard famously wanted to go to Miami very badly. He did. He would not be saying he's bored and lonely in Miami. He would not. It's impossible to be bored and lonely in Miami. Well, especially the NBA is a winter league. So these Portlands and these Milwaukee's, you know, it gets gets dark really early. Is it 14 degrees there today? Well, it's cold. Yeah, whatever. Portland and Milwaukee are the same city. It's basically the same. Milwaukee's way colder. Come on. No, I mean, they're both wet northern cities. Um... That have a really popular NBA franchise. But he had that city on lockdown for like, you know, he was there his entire career. He knew Portland and now could manufacture fun. Well, first of all, he's going through a divorce. So I've he been, is. Those are brutal. So I have great sympathy for people who go through It some, doesn't sound like it's new. I was reading about it. Uh, you know, they, even the girlfriend had been living apart for a while, but uh, or the wife. Um, it's tough. I Let's say they lose in the first or second round. Well, if they lose in the first round... I, I, I don't know why, because Giannis just signed a contract. I have this feeling Giannis is not ending his career in Milwaukee. And if they lose in the first round, I he has changed. Remember, that team is old. Oh, yeah. Like, if you don't win this year, they're not getting better. This is the year they got to do it, and they're not close to Boston right now. NBA offseason, there's some stuff that's starting to bubble up, and it could get interesting. Now, the playoffs are going to be huge. Listen, if the Bucks flame out early... I think Giannis will say, if they lose early, I think Giannis will go in and say, I'm moving, get the most you can. I really think that. Keep your eye on Golden State. Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young. Keep your eye on Golden State. Sounds like LeBron State. Who, Giannis and Golden State? Who are they trading? Uh, Draymond and Clay? Wish we had time to talk about it. <laughs> J-Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. Giannis will not end his career in Milwaukee. That's my take. Could be a year. But listen, to your point, they're old. They lose first round. Read the tea leaves. Hour three next. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.